find the book of Revelation. Say, oh me, oh my, not Revelation. What are we going to get out of Revelation? Sometimes things are hard to understand in Revelation. And you're right if that's how you feel. You know, the most important thing about Revelation is that we see what we're supposed to see in Revelation, and that's Jesus. Uh, a man was walking his dog out by the beach, and another man came up. He stopped and talked to him. He said, let me, let me show you what my dog can do. And he took a stick, and he threw it out there across the water. And uh, his dog took out there, ran after that stick on top of the water, and came back, and he looked at the other fella. He said, you see that? He kind of looked at him funny. He said, watch again. He threw that stick out there. And that dog ran across the top of the water again and came back on top of the water. And he said, you see that? Watch it a third time. He did it again. He said, now, what are you thinking? He said, i tell you what I'm thinking. That dog must not know how to swim. <laughs> you know, he's walking on top of water. He, I've never seen a dog not know how to swim. You know, people will read things and see things, but see things differently, don't they? And there's something that we need to see when we come to the book of Revelation, and we don't need to miss what that is. So I want you to look at chapter 1, verse 1, and the very first statement that we have in Revelation 1. Now, it's not revelations. It's not many revelations that John has here. It's one. He has a revelation from God, which God gave him. And he says right off the bat here, the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, you can study the Bible. You can sing, you can shout hallelujah all that you want to. You, you can wave your hands in the air. But if at the end of this hour you fail to see Jesus as Lord of all and you fail to worship him with a heart of surrender, then you have missed the point of being here. The point of us being here is not to really hear me. It's not to hear one another. It's really as much as we love the fellowship, and that's a great part of coming to worship, it's not about that. It's about Jesus. He's the reason for our fellowship. He's the reason for our singing. He's the reason for the preaching of the word. Now, the word revelation means apocalypse. You've heard that word apocalypse. It comes from apocalypses, the Greek word. It means to unveil or to reveal or to uncover. That's what the, the title of the book means. Revelation means the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Spirit, through John, is revealing to us the Lord Jesus. It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. That's why I said uh, the same ought to be true of a worship service. Jesus ought to be revealed. Amen? That lost hearts may find Him and that uh, saved hearts may be strengthened in Him. And so verse 1, the revelation or unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things which must soon take place. Now, all the way through Scripture, God seems to point to Jesus. Have you noticed that? I'm not talking about just the New Testament. I mean from Genesis on, we see God doing things and working in ways and establishing things in their worship which point to Jesus way in the future, right? And so uh, we see that in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let us make man in our own image. Well, who's our? Well, he's talking about the three. He's talking about the Trinity, or at least he's talking about Jesus and himself. God and Jesus the Son. In Genesis 3.15, he's the woman's seed that will one day crush the head of the serpent. He's talking about Jesus. The serpent is Satan. 
Jesus will be victorious over Satan. On Mount Moriah, when God told Abraham to sacrifice his own son Isaac on the altar, and then uh, because of his faithfulness, before he sacrificed him, provided a ram in the thickets. He provided a substitutionary atonement for the son there. And so what a picture of the Lord Jesus. God's son sacrificed for us to atone for our sins. He became our substitution. We deserve death, but he has given us and offered us life. In Exodus, when God allowed the death angel to pass over the, the, the land of Egypt, those who had the blood of the lamb over the doorposts of the home, the death angel passed over and death did not see that home. Those that didn't have it, they faced death. So we find the blood of the lamb to be a foreshadow of Jesus, our Passover lamb. When the high priest went into the holy of holies to the blood sacrifice on the horns of the altar or there on that mercy seat to atone for the sins of the people, that's a picture of Jesus. That priest was the mediator between God and the people. Paul said to Timothy in the letter to Timothy, he is our, there's one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself a, a ransom for our sin. In Hebrews, he's become our great high priest. So all through scripture, we see from beginning to end that God wants us to see Jesus. He's unveiled him from cover to cover. In the gospels, we see him ministering. We see him reconciling man with God and we see him suffering but in Revelation we don't see Jesus suffering do we the Holy Spirit pulls back the curtain and we begin to see Jesus in all his majesty and authority and in all his glory ruling and reigning we need to see Jesus in the scripture today I've just entitled this message can you see me now that's as if the Lord's saying can you see me now, he wants us to see him ruling and reigning. He doesn't want us to be without hope. He wants us to know the hope that we have in him. So look and uh, jump ahead with me just for a moment. Well, I'll just go ahead and read it. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. Now, the things we see in Revelation are going to take place, all right? He sent and signified by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all the things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There's your dedication. Every good book's got a good dedication at the beginning. It is dedicated to the Lord Jesus. It's an introduction saying who he is, who John is, what he has seen, and the things that will come to pass. And here's what we see in verse 5. I'm just going to focus on that, and uh, 5 and 6 there. To him who loves us. 
there's the dedication. John's like, uh, this revelation, I'm writing this down. It is to him that loves us, right? To him who loves us. Some translations are written in past tense. To him who loved us. But in the Greek, it is in present tense. In the Greek, it was written, to him who loves us, that's present tense. You see, if he only loved us, that means it's just for a season of time, doesn't it? Can you imagine singing, growing up, learning this song, Jesus loved me, this I know, but that was so, so long ago, (laughs) right? He doesn't love me anymore. No, that's not true. Jesus loves me, this I know. It is really present tense. And so, Jesus loves us right now, amen? Jesus loved you before now. Jesus loved you when you were in sin. He's always loved you. He will never stop loving you. Tell me, when will Jesus stop loving you? He will never stop loving you. He loves us. And and here's why that's so important. I heard a guy say a long time ago, you will never, ever understand or be able to reconcile all the different things that you go through in your life, in the different stages of your life, if you never get this one thing straight, no matter what, he loves me. He doesn't love me because I'm valuable. He doesn't love you because you're valuable. You are valuable because he loves you. He gives us our worth. He loved us before he saved us and washed us clean. A mother doesn't love, uh, doesn't give her baby a bath so she can love that baby. A mother gives that baby a bath because she loves that baby. Amen? The love is there from the beginning. There's an ad in the newspaper offering a reward for a lost dog. If somebody returned that dog, here's what the ad read. Owner seeks lost dog. Dog has bare spot due to mange has a missing leg from being hit by a car, walks slow because of arthritis, and is blind in one eye, and answers to the name of Lucky. (laughs) You know, despite all that dog's inadequacies, somebody loved him enough to offer offer a reward for the return of that dog. Isn't that just like Jesus, though? I mean, just now that's kind of a made-up deal, I suppose, but I'd read that one time. I've always... Uh, like using that because it illustrates so easily for us we've got all these inadequacies we've got all these issues about us that are ungodly but he offered a reward he paid the reward for us to come to him Jesus is a loving savior Romans 5 8 says Christ proved his love for us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us So we need to reconcile this fact in our hearts, okay? Jesus loves us. He loves us. He will love us to the end. Now, some might say, well, I know he loves me, but I'm too unworthy for him to forgive me. And some people feel that way. And if you feel that way, uh, just remember this. You may feel that you're not forgivable, but we don't base our doctrine on feelings. Amen? We base our doctrine on the Word of God. We base it on the truth of God's Word. Look what he says again in verse 5. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins with his blood. So here's number two on your sheet. Jesus washes me and frees me. He washes us and he frees us. The Greek 
means that he washes us through and through. That's why when Jesus healed somebody, he didn't just heal their lameness or their blindness. He made them whole. Uh, he loves us, but he washes us and he frees us. I love the hymn, don't you? Jesus paid it all. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He washes us and he frees us from the stain of sin. I think about the times through the years wearing dress shirts or shirts like this. I call this a dress shirt. And uh, when I was school teaching years before, I know I've, I think I made it this entire year without ruining a shirt. I would take a pen like this and I would stick that cap on like that. And when I was through, I would shove it down in my pocket. And within 30 minutes or so, I'd have a big old stain. And I'm just telling you, you don't get a stain out like that. And I the only way I found that I could get a stain out like that is to take a pair of scissors and cut it out, you know, and then you don't have a shirt anymore, right? So you have to get rid of it. You just got to throw it all out. The only way to remove the stain of sin and to be saved is by the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins. The big lie that has blinded so many people throughout the years is that there are many ways to God. Oh, there's many ways to God. I think you just have to believe what you believe and stick to it. I can believe that I'm, in, I'm one of those astronauts uh, that's going to dock at that International Space Station here in, in, in the next hour or so all I want. But I'm not on the spaceship. It's not going to come to pass, right? I can believe it all I want, but it's not going to happen. I'm not in that spaceship. I'm not going to be docking on that space station. There, there are many ways I can do. Who was that years ago, several years ago? I think it was out in California somewhere, you know, the land of fruits and nuts out there. Or some, was that some kid or some man that strapped all those balloons to his lawn chair and went way up there and was floating through the, the oh, my goodness, you know, it really happened. Uh, there are many ways to get places, but, you know, there's only one way to get to God, and that's through Jesus. It's by redemption through his blood. Now, Oprah Winfrey years ago declared that. She had all these people when she was promoting the light. Remember how Oprah would promote that? It's the light within. It's the light within, she would always say. And she got hooked up with this other doctor, this other uh, man, religious uh, nut, and they were going around saying, you have the light within. You have the light within. You just have to follow what that is for you. And uh, all these people were talking. This one lady stood up. I have this on video, by the way. This one lady stood up at the end, and she said, I can't believe this. You all have bought the lie. Jesus is the only way to God. The Bible is very clear. And Oprah stopped, and she said, no, no. See, there, there's many ways. That might be your way of going to God. But it depends on what you believe. Everybody has their own way of coming to God. It's the light within. She said, no, it is not. It is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right there on national television. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Look what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says. Knowing that you were not ransomed with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. Gold and silver cannot buy your forgiveness. The blood of Jesus alone can ransom you, can atone for your sin. Jesus was sinless. 
Therefore, the only sacrifice of his blood is able to save us from sin. So don't be swindled by Satan's lie. Only the blood of Jesus can remove sin's stain from our lives. Jesus was virgin born. He was fully human. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit and therefore divine. He was fully human and fully divine. He was God in the flesh, sent to this earth to minister and to tell us the truth and show the way. And therefore, he is divine and without sin. Some will say, well, he has the, he has the same sinful blood of his earthly mother, Mary. So wouldn't that make him unholy? And I've said this before, babies don't get their blood through the umbilical cord of their mother. Baby's blood is made on its own. That's why a baby will have a different blood type than its mother and father both sometimes. It has its own blood in God's creation incredible. It's just incredible. So Jesus was virgin born and did not have the blood of Mary. He has the blood of the Lord flowing through his veins. He is God. So what do we know? Jesus loves me. Jesus washes me. And third, he has raised me to a higher position. How many of you know you have a greater status than what you had before you were saved. Look at verse 6. He has made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. The word kingdom speaks of a reign, a rule, an authority, uh, a governance, kings, queens, princes, and princesses. Some translations say he made us kings and priests instead of made us a kingdom. He's made us part of his royal family. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, to show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You're a chosen generation, and you're a royal priesthood. Royalty means something. You know, it was a big deal back in the 1980s when Prince Charles chose Lady Diana. You remember that? What a big deal. Why was that such a big deal? Well, she was part of the commonwealth. Uh, she was not royalty, and they, their wishes were always that royalty would marry royalty, but she was not from royalty. She was common, uh, uh, from, from a common family. Now, what I mean by that, royalty versus uh, being a commoner, well, uh, in England, they have that class system. You can, be, uh, you can move up in the class by education, but you can never become royalty no matter how much education you have. You have to be born into royalty or marry into a royal family to be considered royalty. And when you're royalty, everything's paid. You don't pay for anything. Everything is done for you. In recent years, a commoner, Kate Middleton, became the bride of Prince William. Prince William married a commoner. So it's, it's a huge thing over there because you got this class. Well, I want you to know... When the Bible speaks of royalty, it's not talking about perfect people. When the Bible says we're part of a royal priesthood, he's saying we belong to the kingdom of God. He has placed us in high position in the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day we'll reign with him forever and ever and ever. He's raised us to a higher position. Some Christians don't realize their status and their position in Christ, so they worry. What if I'm not good enough? I believe in Jesus, but I just don't think I'll be good enough to go to heaven. 
and they miss the point of who Jesus is and what he's done. Don't miss the point. The Bible says you'll know the truth, and the truth shall set you free from that kind of thinking. The truth will set you free from your sin if you'll turn to him. The truth will set you free when you feel unloved. The truth is what? He loves us. He has washed us and freed us from our sin, and he's raised us to a higher position. So the question is, have you been to Calvary? You must get to Calvary, to the cross where Jesus died and put your faith and trust and belief on him. There's a story about a nightclub in Chicago called the Gates of Hell. And a young man was wanting to find there the one evening. He stopped and he asked somebody, can you tell me how to get to the Gates of Hell? Everybody knew what the Gates of Hell was. They knew it was a popular nightclub. Close by that nightclub was a church called Calvary Church, Calvary Baptist Church, actually. And so when he asked him, can you tell me how to get to the gates of hell, here's what the stranger said. He said, oh, it's real easy. You just keep going straight a few more blocks until you see Calvary. Once you pass Calvary, you'll run right into it. You can't miss it. I want you to know, if you want to find the gates of hell, you just go right past Calvary, and that's where you'll be. Anyone wanting to find the Lord God, Wanting to be reconciled with God must first go to Calvary. You go to Calvary and you won't ever want to go to hell. Amen. You go to Calvary, you'll miss hell. But many people do the opposite. They pass right by Calvary on their way to hell. Jesus wants us to see him for who he is. He wants us to see who we really are in him. He's loved us. He loves us now. Nothing will change that. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. What can separate us from the love of God, everybody? Nothing. He washes us and he frees us from our sin and he places us in a high position with him. We are a kingdom of priests to his glory.